Hello, hello, and welcome to another Two Network Match Report with me, Adam. It finished yesterday at St James's Park. Newcastle nil, Brighton won. It was a very, very, very frustrating day for Newcastle fans. Um, it was a very strange atmosphere, and to be honest, I still don't know how we didn't score yesterday. Um, it's the fifth straight home defeat in a row, and I think that's only happened four times. Sorry, this is the fourth time it's happened in the Premier League era, and the other three teams uh, got relegated. Um, that's no win in nine games now, two draws. Um, and we're starting to see a narrative where people are turning on Rafa Benitez. Now, Rafa Benitez is not blameless for the plight, but only he's only a little bit to blame for everything that's ever happened. He's the manager, so he's got a reasonable responsibility in terms of um, the tactics that he sets out, uh, the decisions that he makes in terms of his team selection. But for me, yesterday at Brighton was, was not down to him. Rafa Benitez's tactics got us, managed to yield us 27 shots on target, uh, sorry, 27 shots, only six on target, and, then, and therein lies the problem. 22% of all our shots were on, were on target. That, that's phenomenally low. It's, 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 it's relegation form, that. And, but, a, but a manager, think about it, a manager's tactics can only take a team so far, okay? The manager sets out his strategy, each individual player instructions, how the team should be um, playing as a unit with and without the ball. It's not his fault that Hosselu hit the corner flag from one of those shots. It's not his fault that Diarmi skied one. It's not his fault that Shelby skied another. It's not his fault that Muto headed over the bar. It's, it's not his fault that he can't hold the player's hands to put the ball in the back of the net. He can only do what he can do with the players that he's got, with the tools that have been provided to him by the owner who has failed to back him in four consecutive transfer windows, okay? People are saying, why didn't you change it up? Or substitutions, etc., etc. To be honest, you probably had three players, three attacking players who could come on and possibly make some sort of difference. And even then, you're reaching. You've got Hosselu, who did come on. Maybe give us a bit more of a target up front. You've got Murphy and Atsu. With the greatest respect to all three of them, none of them are game changers. We don't have a squad. So when Rafa Benitez and everyone's saying, should have taken Moot off, should have taken Perez off, Moot played very well first half. Muto's straight pass eventually led to the sequence of events that led to us conceding. I'm not saying he's to blame because there was a lot of things that happened in terms of, you know, 
the officiate the officiating was very very poor. It was clearly a goal kick off Solly March. If you if you brought yourself to watch match of the day last night, you'd have seen that it clearly came off Solly March. I was at sitting in the stand. My initial reaction was that it came off the Brighton player because of his body language. Head down, disappointed, started running back, and all the other Brighton players did. However, the linesman called it a uh, called it a corner, and of course it was flighted in, headed out to the edge of the box. I think it was Perez had lost his man Isquiero um, on the edge of the box. Free shot and goal, and it sort of very fortunately came off Kyle and went in. You, you can't really. We should have blocked the first shot. But there's, there's very, you can't really legislate for coming off the, the heel of a player who doesn't really know it's even coming off him either. And it goes in, and that's 1-0. And that was against the runner player. And we'd started so brightly and had a lot of shots and started peppering them. And they looked rattled every time we got crosses into the box. And people saying, well, what's the point getting crosses in if uh, Hosley's not on the... On, on, on. But maybe Rafa's having to work with, well, he knows that... Brighton go to pieces in the box away from home and hadn't won for 17 straight games away from home but then he didn't want to start Hosselu because he thought Muto overall might have the best play and Muto would be able to inflict a you know sort of a high intensity pressing in the fa in, you know in the top third to put their defenders who are probably a bit more no-nonsense don't have quite the, the ball playing skills so to put them under pressure to gain territory so that's there's lots of reasons and rationale why a world-class manager might do something that we don't understand. And that's possibly one of the many things. In the, in, the, in the second half, which is the point I was getting to, Muto, I didn't really see much of him. He didn't get involved as much. So maybe, and, and remember, he trusts Perez more than he trusts Muto, simply because Perez he is a player he understands more because he spent years with him now. So... You know, I'm, I think Perez has been performing subpar as well. However, what choice do we have when we don't have a squad? Who's pushing the, the first 11 for a place? I'd argue Murphy is probably the, the closest we have to an attacking player getting himself as a, a regular starting position. But we, we, just don't, we just don't have... So everyone's saying, oh, Rafa's tactics, this... Rafa's tactics made 27 shots yesterday. Rafa's tactics reduced them to maybe two reasonable efforts and a bundled goal that they ended up scoring from, from a corner that should never have been. They had two shots on target in total, Brighton. They had 32% possession, I think it was. It's a, it's a classic football manager game. You completely dominate them at home, and then they'll, they'll, they'll nick a, 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 you know, a, a very fluky goal against the run play, and that's what it was. And before Glenn Murray's injury, and very, very pleased to hear that he got out of hospital very quickly yesterday and was able to go home with the rest of the team, because I was right next to that, and it was pretty scary for a little bit. Uh, so really, really pleased that he's okay. But because there was a delay during his treatment... And again, rightly so. <laughs> you need to take all the time you can with those head injuries. With all that delay, it killed our momentum that we'd started the game with. 
the atmosphere fell a bit flat again. And after they scored, which was, again, I think about after half an hour, yeah, we started get because this was a, a must win, because we'd lost against all the teams that you expect to, win, to lose against, and this was the first home game that you think, right, we need to be getting into these. There was just a nervousness and, 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 and pent-up frustration and anger that started manifesting into snipes and groans and sighs every time we passed the ball sideways or backwards to retain possession. Because guess what, people? You can't play forward balls all the time because you will lose possession. I, I guarantee there'd be a bigger groan if somebody just knocked it long to their, just, just back to their keeper rather than passing it back and retaining possession and then trying to go again. You can't score if you don't have possession. So by retaining possession, we go again. And, it's, and, that's, and that's fine. But the groans... I, I mean, this is... I'm talking first half. Our fans were terrible yesterday. Not all, some that were around me, that, you know, oh, backwards passing, hate this modern football. It's just like, Christ almighty, what? So is, if somebody's got no options because nobody happens to be running from, and therein lies the problem, there was a bit of underperformance from our players. If we knock it long, we lose it. So would they prefer to lose the ball and just knock it long and try a, a Hollywood ball, or do we play it back, play it sideways, be sensible about it and start again and maybe try out the other wing. Because the answer is the second one. You retain possession because as long as they don't have it, they can't threaten us. Right? And, you know, it, it, this was first half and the, the atmosphere started to get toxic. And do you know what? It just played against us. It worked, it worked against what we were trying to achieve. By having a... By having a... An, an underwhelmed crowd who was sighing every time we passed the ball and were still in possession, then that just played into Brighton's hands. Played into Brighton's hands. They were like, oh, well, this isn't intimidating at all. Let's stand firm. We can do this. We can do them, yeah. And that's what they did. And our players got even more nervous and lacked even more confidence because our own fans were berating them for, for passing it to another one of their team. To the, to the point that John Joe Shelby turned around to the East Stand and, and told somebody in the East Stand who sighed when he passed it back to one of our players, he retained possession, and he turned around and, and said, shut up. Now, I don't agree with how Shelby went about expressing himself because in that moment, he needs to be 100% focused on what's happening on the pitch. However, he's got a point. What... Are our fans doing in the first half of that game when we've created so many chances and you think a goal's just around the corner here because of the way we were playing. We were putting them under so much pressure, having lots of shots, and you think, well, something's got to give here. Something has to. Why are our fans getting on our players' backs so early on in that game? Like, no wonder they didn't thrive. No wonder they didn't flourish and have confidence. Of course they didn't. Because they're getting pelters from our own fans. We had some really good efforts uh, first half. Again, a lot of them sort of flying over. I mean, Kennedy's strike was probably me, my favourite. It was uh, the way he kind of created something out of nothing. He twisted and turned 
and the technique on his drive was very, very unfortunate. I hadn't realised until I watched uh, the replay yesterday that he, it actually clipped the bar as well. He had a great cross and a Richie header that went wide. He had Shelby, Shelby tried to do everything to do to score yesterday. So he sort of weaved into the box. And again, we don't, because we're always used to not having the lion's share possession, we don't often work, you know, chances into the box like we did yesterday. So Shelby was finding himself running at the Brighton defence and they were just allowing him to and he easily kind of twisted and turned and he had a left-footed drive, went parried up and Muto's header I think was a lot more difficult than it, it, it actually seemed. So it looks like a bad miss but I think he's too small to be over that to head it. You know, he's, he's too high so he's trying to get, he's trying to get over, he's not, he's just, <laughs> it's just one of those. So. So I thought Kennedy was was really proactive yesterday. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. Again, a couple of good tackles. Shelby was everywhere as well. In the second half, again, it was all us really. I mean, they had a couple of uh, counter-attacking chances. One that sort of lobbed over to Bradka and went wide, and then there was another where Dummett made an absolutely outstanding tackle. Um, to, to go past uh, who's it, the Bazuma, I think he's called. Um, but again, it was us that piled on the pressure. You know, you had Shelby with that free kick after the good work from Kennedy. But they just, I've just felt where, where Kennedy and Shelby were at a level that probably the rest of our team weren't at. Richie didn't want to beat his man, Bong. Um, you had Perez, that didn't really create anything. Um, Muto looked busy but I don't think we utilised his sort of off the shoulder running as much as we probably should have done in the first half um, but they looked rattled for, 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 for large portions of that game and you know eventually Hosselu comes on people groan when Muto goes off but as I said before maybe, you know, we don't know what condition Muto's in Rafa does training every week he knows what condition he's in he's only started two games now maybe he doesn't feel that Muto will give him that intensity for the full 90 minutes maybe that's why he brought off Muto and not Perez and maybe he didn't bring off Perez is because he didn't trust that Atsu and and um, Murphy would make more of a difference very telling he only made that substitution because we don't have a squad he didn't trust he trusted the start of 11 Albeit being absolutely knackered over somebody fresh coming off the bench because he didn't, he probably didn't, he probably thought that, you know, the way we're playing, we've got 27 shots off here, one of them's got to go in, has to, doesn't it? It, it, it absolutely has to. So if, you, if, you, if we talk Rafa's tactics, if you're going to have a go at Rafa's tactics, have a go at the Palace game. I was there as well. We, we, we barely created anything, we had like three shots on target. In that game, we created 27 shots. There's only so much a manager can do with his team to get them to play in a way that will yield these shots, moves that will have an end product. He, he can only do so much to tell a professional footballer to put his laces through it and find the net. And guess what? When you buy £5 million strikers from Stoke Reserves, like we did with Hosselu, that's what happens when you don't buy a top-class striker in 
one of the most competitive leagues in world football, when you skim off the money that Newcastle are making to pay yourself back a loan, I'm obviously talking Mike Ashley here, what the hell do you think is going to happen? It doesn't take a genius. We didn't have more than six shots on target yesterday because the players we have are not good enough. The manager that we have is good enough, but he doesn't have the tools to, to, to follow out his orders. He doesn't have them. Mike Ashley's sitting up there in the stands and I think there was one half-hearted chant against him. Yet when Muto comes off, whole place boos. Like Christ almighty. What do we think was going to happen? We totally played into Brighton's hands. They defended very, very well, I must say. They really did. They held firm and they battled it. And they were under the cosh for, for most of that game. I still think their goal shouldn't have stood because it was a goal kick, not a corner. And I still think we did enough to win that game. We created enough. It's, you know, if you play percentages, we, we have 27 shots in every single game over the next nine games, for example. We'll win some games, man. 27 shots. Of course we will. Of course we will. So people bringing in this whole Rafa's tactics don't work and his subs are rubbish argument fall flat every time for me. Because it's the owner who hasn't invested in, in, and hasn't backed Rafa for the last four windows. Oh, but they're all Rafa's signings. He sanctioned them all. Listen to yourself, man. Do you honestly think... And let's talk Rondon here, right? If Rafa Benitez was given a budget that Steve McLaren was given, £80 million, £80 million, do you think, honestly, for one second, that Salomon Rondon would be his number one transfer target last summer. Of course he fucking wouldn't. Of course he wouldn't. Oh, Hosselu and Mankio are his sign. They're not his signings. He had £10 million to spend on two squad players, a striker and a fullback. So he, that, he got the only players that he could get for that price. And guess what? They're not good enough. Massive fucking shock. The other thing about Rondon. Oh, Rafa picked Rondon and he's just injured. He's rubbish. Right. Rondon is injured. And it has been attributed because he hasn't had a proper summer. He hasn't had a proper pre-season. Guess why Salomon Rondon hasn't had a proper pre-season? You've guessed it. Newcastle's transfer policy is to not give Rafa autonomy. Rafa lines up the deals early because he's good and he's got excellent scouting networks across Europe and the rest of the world because guess what? He's actually held in really high esteem everywhere else. That deal would have been lined up for months right but because it wasn't sanctioned by Ashley he didn't release the funds because 
He promised Rafa Benitez autonomy on transfers, and he hasn't got he hasn't got that autonomy. He hasn't got full control about how and when and how, what, why. Rafa lines up the deals, has to wait for ages, and at the very last minute, all oh, right, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll push that through last minute. That's what happened with Rondon. He doesn't get a preseason. This is Rafa Benitez wanted all of his signings in before the World Cup. Remember this. We knew it was a shorter window. You knew it would be like three weeks bef after the World Cup that we'd have before the, the, the now uh, shorter window deadline came. And it was a month before. So had Rondon come in at the start of pre-season and been conditioned properly, like Rafa would have wanted, then guess what? Guarantee he wouldn't be injured now. Guarantee he wouldn't. So that's not on Rafa either. That's on the conditions he's working in. And guess what? It's all this off-field politics that, is, that we saw yesterday seeping onto the, into the fans, onto the players. Everybody is getting affected by this. And there's only one man that's, that, that, that's at the centre of all this that's made it happen. It's Mike Ashley. He has a world-class manager at his disposal and he seems to be doing everything in his power to make him walk away. And guess what? Rafa is going to walk away. If we think for a second that Mike Ashley is going to spend loads in January, think again. We'll be in the loan market. We will be in the loan market. The club have said that there was money to spend. We could have broken our transfer record in the summer. We just chose not to. The right players weren't there. I guarantee the right players were there. That's bollocks as well. Of course the right players were there. Rafa will have a list. I promise you, Rafa will have a list of 50 players in every single position that he feels he could attract to Newcastle. If he was given a proper Premier League transfer budget like every other club. Fulham, who have just come up from uh, the Championship and haven't been in the Premier League for a good couple of years, spent £100 million. Yes, I think they spent 100 million fairly poorly because they haven't addressed problems at the back. They've, spent, they've got some really good midfielders and forwards. But imagine Rafa given a budget of 100 million and then give, he gets to keep anything, any money that he sells. Imagine it. Imagine the squad that we would have. And we would have a squad, not just a first 11, that's good enough. But guess what? I don't even think we've got a first 11 that's good enough at the minute. Rafa is almost, he's a victim of how well he did last year. Finished 10th. And what I don't, what I hate, what I hated seeing yesterday is this Rafa out nonsense and the fact that newspaper outlets were using the word Rafa and is Rafa to blame? That's what the Chronicle led with. Is Rafa to blame? Apparently, if you click into it, it turns out that it's not Rafa to blame. It is Ashley, after all. But that's a clickbait title that most people will scan and won't click into, and it will feed. It will feed this narrative that everyone thinks that the best thing to do is for Rafa to go, which is mental. Guess what happens when Rafa goes? It gets worse. Basically, it will get worse. Ashley needs to see what he's created here. Yesterday, he needs to have seen how toxic that all was. He was there, he felt the crowd, and he saw the frustration on the pitch, 
and he saw where we're at. This is the house that he built. This is on him. The book stops with Ashley. And he needs to go. He needs to sell. He needs to fuck off. Because we're in a downward spiral now. We have a run of nine games now, Southampton away. Good job it's not a bogey ground for us, eh? And yes, we need to be getting results on the pitch. I believe if we play like we did yesterday against Southampton, I think we'll win. For me, the tactics weren't the problem yesterday. It was the performance levels. It was the, the lack of intensity from the crowd. It was the, it was the poor quality of our players who couldn't finish. It's not on Rafa. It's not on Rafa at all. Doesn't come close. This man sacrificed his reputation, his world-class UEFA elite coach reputation, his Champions League winning manager reputation to, to, to stay on when he didn't have to. Could have got, got a much bigger job. Might have got the Arsenal job. He probably had offers all around Europe. I know that he's had offers since he's been at Newcastle, which he's turned down. He manages in the championship. That was a big risk for, for a manager like that. I don't know how many of his peers would do that. He then won that league. So he couldn't have possibly finished higher than he did. Next season, after not being backed in summer or winter, he finishes 10th. And I think, had we finished 17th, 16th that last season, he might have actually spent money rather than actually made money this summer. If you think for a minute that we, that we sold Mitrovic and Rafa knew he wasn't getting a penny back for it, well, of, course he would, of course he wouldn't sell him. Why would he? Rafa Benitez would prefer to have him in the squad than to have him out of the squad with no money to replace him. But guess what? That's what happened. That's what happened. The club's a mess. The hierarchy are poisonous. They're liars. And they're not in it for the good of the football club. Mike Ashley's in it to make money. He will not sell until he gets all of his money back and some. And that's the problem. And that's why we won't sell. Because who's going to pay for something well over the odds? He wouldn't. Why would you? I felt despondent and dejected yesterday. The second half, I was a little bit hungover anyway, but the second half I barely shouted, I barely, I basically watched, I watched the game with resignate, basically with resignation. I felt that I knew that we weren't gonna score. Very much like when Matt's goal went in against Man United. I knew as soon as they got one back, they'd get the three back. And I didn't ever feel that we'd score as it, as it went on. Not that I didn't think we weren't playing the right way. Just that it was, that's, that's where we're at at the minute. There were so many times where just it got into their box and it pinballed around a bit and it just happened to fall. All I needed to do was just drop the, the foot of the feet of one of our players 
and we score. It, it just, it's just one of those. I mean, that Perez chance at the, the very start of the game where Shelby challenged through and pressured uh, Gaetan Bon. I think he, if he drives across, the, the goalkeeper goes in. But then again, it was a reasonable effort. He, he maybe tried to double bluff him and try to go near post, which is, I think, what he tried to do. But it was a good save and, uh, yeah, fair play to Brighton. That was a massive six-pointer. It didn't help that Cardiff won 4-2 as well because then we're sitting bottom of the league now. It'll take a miracle to save us. But I'm in no doubt that Rafa Benitez is not the problem here. And anyone thinking it has been fooled by Mike Ashley. And I pity you. This is, the fans turning on Rafa is exactly, exactly what Mike Ashley and his goons want to happen. Because it takes the heat off them. They can be the saviour by bringing in someone else. We're not getting saved. Rafa's not the problem. If anything, he is the solution. Don't be fooled by Ashley. Don't be fooled by clickbait titles and shitty surveys that have to question whose who's mess this all is. It's pretty fucking obvious because there's nobody outside the stadiums protesting against Rafa Benitez right now. I'm going to leave it there. I'm feeling to get off my chest and it's good to have slept on it a bit. I've been Adam the Two Network. Thanks very much for watching. Um, please subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And please tell your friends about my videos if you enjoy them. Um, if you're listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, please give me a rate. Please give me a follow on there as well. That would be huge. And come find us on Facebook. Forward slash The Two Network 1892. And we're on Twitter as well. At The Two Network. Thanks very much for watching. I've been Adam. It's got to get better sometime, hasn't it? Bye-bye.